0: Namaskar. Thank you for joining me for a brand new episode of Unstoppable. According to the International Monetary Fund, commonly known as the IMF, the COVID-19 pandemic threatens to roll back gains in women's economic progress. I have been noticing news from different parts of the world on the impact of COVID on women, and I was curious to investigate this topic. In this episode, We listen to voices of women from different countries and backgrounds. How has their COVID experience been? What are the key challenges that women face during this time? Did they feel supported by the actions taken by governments and private sector? And how has the story differed in countries where female leadership is prevalent? The first obvious impact of the lockdown was the disappearance of childcare support and closure of schools. You might recall from my previous episode about unpaid care work done by mothers and their role in the economy that women tend to do more household work than men. About 2.7 hours per day, to be exact, is what women put in on household chores and family care work. The pandemic. Exacerbated this situation as women had to support children's educational need, care for elderly family members, and fill in the childcare role. This pushed their full-to-the-brim schedules to a tipping point. Further, women are also facing increased pressure from work as economic slowdown has triggered layoffs. And to keep their jobs, women had to be productive and deliver at their jobs as well as at their homes. I had the opportunity to speak to a few women and get their views on this topic. Deepa, who works for a major technology company in India, says, Thinking back to March, it was a period of fear and was about getting essentials, playing maid, cooking, all the activities that I had delegated or outsourced earlier. For being a woman in technology, work has always been on an upsurge. Days started at 9.30 and always went on until 8 or 9 p.m. Now it seemed as if days would blend into nights and I would never know when the work would end. I had a large team of women who were endlessly juggling household chores, children who were homeschooled, in-laws who demanded attention. They had to step up to the new normal. While earlier they had maids, cooks, they had to let them go and that meant tripling up as well. Yet, each and every one of them worked harder and delivered both at home and at work. There were many who faced hardships. One of my teammates, a young graduate who had recently joined our team, and she struggled to help her family members who were all COVID positive and were living in a remote village. She went to care for her family and returned to work in 10 days, anxious to rejoin work. Another working mother from Switzerland, Samira, who works in a biotech company, says, Working 100% in labor terms, but in reality it is 200%, or worse, even above. It couldn't be more true than during the time of the lockdown. Though the world outside had come to a standstill, inside the mind of a parent, it was working round the clock, always thinking about the next thing to do. Universally, one of the most common experiences shared in the past couple of months across the globe is the challenges of a working parent trying to find the perfect balance of work, home chores, schedules of children and a never-ending repeat cycle of all of them. With no respite or a break, one would get in normal circumstances like a weekend getaway or holiday in near future. All of these seemed like a bleak possibility now. Practically speaking for me, it was the expectations I thrust on myself to get everything done impeccably. Ensuring that all meals are nutrition-packed, all laundry folded, that I followed my strict exercise routine, was well-informed and keeping up with the current affairs, and my jigsaw-solving, Lego-building toddler is neat, clean, well-fed, ready for online class setups, and motivated to be self-occupied all day long. And at work front, I aspire to be extremely productive, engaging virtual calls with my colleagues, maintaining personnel relationships, with a number of Zoom calls scheduled. Sounds ridiculous, isn't it? But in the end, we put so much pressure on ourselves to be ahead. But this period also brought in the stark realization Sometimes in life, one has to let go some things to create space for something else but nothingness. Nothingness is important to recoup. How should one do it? I'm still learning. I'm sure millions of women and men would connect with the experiences of Samira and Deepa. The point made about endless work echoes through both their statements. And Samira makes a valid point about rest and indulging in nothingness. Amen to that. To give the other side of the perspective, Roma, who works as a lecturer in Singapore, had a different take on the lockdown period. She says that she enjoyed working from home because she didn't have to drive a long distance in morning traffic and could use the time for self-care. She also felt supported by her employer who provided the flexibility in case of childcare issues or other family emergencies. But she was also quick to recognize that her case is special as her child is independent and she was fortunate to have helping hands in the house. And the final message is from a mother from India who would like to keep her identity anonymous. She says, I'm a mother of two daughters, one teenager and other approaching teenage while I am approaching menopause. So you can imagine the huge hormonal battle amongst us. Now that they are home 24-7, just like when they were very little toddlers, I have an unforgettable experience and time to feel my kids after a very long duration. The big difference now is that they are more independent, both physically and emotionally, and this lockdown has given me a chance to reflect on how My role as a mother has evolved from a caregiver to a friend and mentor and also appreciate my children as mature and having a mind of their own. Had things been in routine, like pre-COVID, I would have never noticed these dynamics at play. My qualification as mother doesn't end here. I'm a doctor too. So, I have opened my practice to distribute free homopathic drugs to the needy. With the demands from my family and from the society, there is little time left for me. What pushes me is to remind myself that this is just a phase and it will pass. My daughters will not be in their teens forever and COVID will also pass one day. I believe tough times do not last, but tough people do. So categorizing myself, one, keeps me going and helping me overcome this hormonal Pandemic and loneliness battle. Thank you so much, everyone, for sharing your COVID experience. (music) Apart from the changing demands from home and work, what has been the economic impact? Of this crisis on women like in any crisis the economy has taken a hit and this impacts businesses and households the latest economic figures also show that recent job cuts have impacted women more than men during the previous downturns the sectors hit most were male-dominated for example in the 2008 crisis the financial sector was down on its knees and that sector is male-dominated Whereas in the coronavirus-led slowdown, the sectors which have suffered the most are retail, high street, travel and hospitality, and these sectors are generally female-dominated. For instance, in the United Kingdom, retail is the second most popular employer for women. In the past few months, up to 5,000 jobs were cut at Uppercrust, which operates food and drink outlets at railway stations and airports in United Kingdom. Harrods had also announced 700 job cuts in early July. In the United States, unemployment among women was two percentage points higher than men between April to June 2020. In Canada, the May job report shows that women's employment increased by 1.1 percent compared to 2.4 percent for men, as childcare issues persist. So women had to face additional pressures at home, and also deal with the economic uncertainty? What has been the response of the policymakers or from the employers? This is the most logical question that comes to my mind when I hear of all the challenges faced by women. I ask these questions to our contributors. Deepa, who works for a big IT company in India, says, Her organization has been a huge support and announced work from home for all and shipped laptops to all employees to the remotest of places, allowances to purchase furniture and stationery to facilitate this transition. And in fact, they made return to office possible only with the highest approvals. Even medical support was available to employees infected with COVID and there are talks to extend insurance benefits to cover COVID. Despite many organizations taking measures to support employees working from home, have the policymakers taken the gender dimension into account while formulating stimulus, packages, and grants? The answer is no, because governments have been tackling it from a health and economic standpoint and the gender impact has not been taken into consideration. Since the pandemic, the United Nations is reporting that Lebanon and Malaysia, for example, have seen the number of calls to domestic violence helplines double compared with the same month last year. In China, they have tripled, and in Australia, search engines such as Google are seeing the highest magnitude of searches for domestic violence help in the past five years. In fact, the United Nations Chief Antonio Guterres urged all governments to put women and girls at the center of efforts to recover from COVID. In a statement, he said, Gender equality and women's rights are essential to getting through this pandemic together. Progress lost will take years to regain. Teenage girls who leave school may never return. I urge governments to put women and girls at the center of their efforts. That starts with women as leaders with equal representation and decision-making power. Measures to protect and stimulate the economy from cash transfers to credits and loans must be targeted at women. As the UN chief rightly mentioned and pointed out, it starts with women leaders. So what is the impact of female leadership in the current crisis? Have countries with higher female representation fared better? This is another aspect which has been talked about in the news, and I wanted to explore this side of the story as well. In the post-World War era, coronavirus pandemic has been the biggest test of political leadership. Every leader on the planet is facing the same potential threat. Every leader is reacting differently, and every leader will be judged by the results. In fact, a study of 194 countries by Supriya Garikipati of the University of Liverpool and Uma Kambapati of the University of Reading found that being female-led has provided countries with an advantage in the current crisis. Women-led countries like Germany, Denmark, New Zealand, Taiwan, Iceland and Finland have recorded far fewer deaths and lower death tolls. On one hand, where Donald Trump was touting the use of bleach and hydroxychloroquine as a treatment to coronavirus, We had Jacinda Ardern, the 39-year-old Prime Minister of New Zealand, who communicated with the Kiwis via Facebook live chats that were informal, yet informative. She forged a path of her own. Her leadership style is one of empathy and kindness. Her messages are clear, consistent, and somehow simultaneously sobering and soothing. And her approach isn't just resonating with her people on an emotional level. It's also working remarkably well. New Zealand has recorded the lowest number of COVID cases and deaths in the world, whereas the US is topping the charts in case count and casualties. But unfortunately, in many countries, the female representation in power corridors is minuscule. How would the voices of women in that case be heard in countries and companies where they're not given a seat on the table? Just 18% of the firms globally are led by women. And on average, only 22% of board members in the OECD countries are women, with higher profitability of firms. More precisely, it found that one more woman in senior management or on corporate board is associated with 8 to 13 basis points higher return on assets. Still, progress has been slow to say the least. But there are some rays of hope in these times. There is even lower representation in emerging economies such as India, which is at 13% and 8% in Brazil. In government, the story is not much different. In the US, for example, the women hold 23.5% of the seat in the House of Representatives that and rank 75th in the world in women's representation in government. Mounting evidence suggests narrowing the gender gap in leadership does pay off in an IMF study which looked at 2 million firms in 34 European countries. Greater gender diversity in senior positions was associated She's the third female Prime Minister of New Zealand and the second leader in the history to give birth while in office. Germany's Chancellor Angela Merkel, the longest serving female head of the government, has designated another woman as her chosen successor and recently Kamala Harris was announced as the vice presidential nominee for the upcoming U.S. elections. In my other podcast for kids, called Brainstorm, I asked my daughter Vanya to share a bit about Kamala Harris. Have a listen. In New Zealand, for example, women hold 38.4% seats in the parliament and 48% of the cabinet roles. And their prime minister, Jacinda Ardern, has proved that motherhood is no barrier to the top job. Vanya, you have a very special woman to introduce today. Who's that special person? Kamala Harris. Ah, Kamala Harris. Could you tell us more who Kamala Harris is?
1: Last week, Kamala Harris was selected to be vice presidential nominee for the US elections. Kamala Harris's full name is Kamala Devi Harris. She was the first Indian-American as well as the second African-American woman to become a US senator. Kamala's mother was from India while her father was from Jamaica. As a little girl, she used to visit her grandparents in Chennai, India. Interestingly, my grandparents also live in the same area, Besant Nagar, where Kamala used to visit. If Kamala Harris is elected, then she will be the first female vice president. She studied law in university and worked as attorney general before joining politics. Let's
0: wait for the results of the elections in November. Before I leave, there's a short meditation for all you busy women out there. I hope you feel relaxed and rejuvenated after this meditation. So please sit back and relax and enjoy. And as for any meditation, I hope you're not driving and you have a comfortable place and a couple of minutes to sit back and enjoy this piece. This meditation is brought to you by Anissa. Who is a certified life coach and a meditation, resilience, and art teacher? You can learn more about her work at www.treeoflifeguru.com. We
1: start to breathing in very gently and breathing out. We are an observer and we do not judge anything in this moment. We observe how our breath is moving our chest and with each breath we we'll start to soften our face, the muscle of our jaw, our back, and our shoulder, that usually carry loads of weight. Just soften them and enjoy this relaxation. And your hands. Let go of your fingers And feel this liberation of letting go If you are holding to anything It's a good moment to let go And feel how your breath is moving your stomach, your belly And with intention, make suffer your belly. And whenever your thoughts start to wander, bring them with attitude of friendliness back to your breath. You may wish to touch your heart very gently and just come to connection with your heart. Your heart is a center of intuition. It has its own intelligence. So today, we would like to build and make this relation stronger between us and our heart. And you can talk to your heart, telling, I trust you. I know that you love me. I love you. I trust you. You feel quite confident. You feel connected to your breath and to your heart. You're smiling. You feel joyful. I invite you to Bring gratitude to your heart. Just let your heart feel what gratitude means. You can imagine or visualize a situation or a person who is related to gratitude for you. I invite you to breathe into gratitude slower and deeper than usual. And you see a door in front of you. I invite you to open it. And you see a big garden in front of you. the sun is shining and there is a place for you under a tree and yes you can take that place and sit down and I invite you to bring in this moment the question that you have had for a long time and you're looking for an answer just to bring it there. We are not trying to find an answer with our analytic mind. We are here as an observer to listen to the voice of intuition. Just enjoy this present moment, this peace and calm, moment of clarity breathe out and in to your heart and you can connect to the images or voices that comes in this moment to you maybe they contain an answer your question, we trust the intelligence of our hearts, and if the answer does not come now, we are just putting a seat there. And the response will be there later. I invite you to stay in silence for some moments, breathing into gratitude with a smile on your face. you can come back to your body, and slowly you can open your eyes with a big smile. करते हैं कि आपको ये सोचकास्त बहुत पसंद आया। अगर कुछ इसके बारे में तो लिखकर Facebook और Instagram पेज पर अगर आपको अपनी सोच दुनिया को तो you got...